Welcome to your found family podcast where we don't just have a heart to heart, we connect soul to soul. I'm your host, Lizzie, a certified coaching practitioner who found family outside of blood family. In our found family, you are accepted and assured that you are not alone. Subscribe and tune in for educational and empowering soul chats with women from all over the world, talking about well-being, personal growth and development, and mental and emotional health. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Found Family. Super excited. I have Lori here with me. We soul chatted um, a couple of weeks ago about narcissistic abuse, and she is here again. Today, we are going to be talking about the signs and symptoms of PTSD. Um, so Lori is a former federal probation officer with a master in justice, a degree in cultural anthropology, and is also a certified life coach. She is originally from California, but has been an expat for 14 years. And through her work, she shows you how you are your first home through her higher self letter writing technique and customized guided visualizations and affirmations. Lori, I'm so excited. Welcome back to Found Family. It's such a pleasure to have you. Lizzie, thanks so much for bringing me back because I only just reached out to you, was it last week or something? Yeah. Would you mind to do this uh, soul chat with me on PTSD since it's PTSD Awareness Month and you're amazing. You're an angel. You fit us in. So I have goosebumps on my face because I'm so great. No, me too. No, I, I absolutely love our soul chats and it's been so wonderful. Like soul chatting with you on Found Family, chatting with you outside of like the recording, you know, on, on all the social platforms and everything and, you know, working together on the summit that's coming up. It's just beautiful. Yes. So, of course. Oh, for that one. Oh. And thank you so much for bringing the awareness to me that it's PTSD Awareness Month. I had no idea until you shared it with me. So it's perfect that this is the last Wednesday. Once this airs, this will be the last Wednesday of the month. So it's perfect <sighs> timing to fit in for, you know, spreading the awareness. Well, I have to admit, I did not know it was PTSD Awareness <laughs> Month either until I reached out to you. I think I found out that day or the day before, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is super important because, well, I have P PTSD, and I didn't know it was PTSD Awareness Month. And June 27th is PTSD Awareness Day. Okay. So first, just super grateful there is an Awareness Day and an Awareness Month because we were talking a little bit off of this session, off of the podcast, about how many people think it's only for certain people, that PTSD is only for certain people. So mm -hmm. it really goes to show that there does need to be this PTSD Awareness Month and Day. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And so for this Soul Chat today, I would love to um, ask a few questions just around PTSD and then dive deeper into your experience and just, you know, get more of the awareness. And so I think a question that some people might be having, although we hear the words PTSD a lot, is what exactly is PTSD? Yeah, so PTSD stands for post-traumatic stress disorder. And I think what you and I were talking about off of our call today was that there has been this big misnomer in the mental health community or just worldwide, just civilians, just people walking around in the world thinking it's only for war veterans that people can only have PTSD if they've been in combat, if they've been at war. And I have to share with you, when I was in my 20s, this is exactly what was going around in the mental health community. It was that PTSD is only for people who've been in war. And I remember even when I was an officer that we were told, you know, you might have some people who are war veterans who are on your caseload who have PTSD. But it was there was never this sort of allowance or permission that it could be for anybody else. And so that is sort of the myth number one, that it's only for... Uh, war veterans or people who have served like as an officer like myself who you know may have uh, seen something really tragic or been part of something really tragic so the reality of it is anybody can get post-traumatic stress disorder mm -hmm. and generally speaking it happens if you've been part of an event or you witnessed an event or the third way is if you've been somebody who had to pick up the pieces for somebody who has PTSD so let's say your partner or your spouse or your child has it and you have been in the house with them, witnessing their insomnia and their nightmares and their flashbacks and their hypervigilance and hyperarousal, you too now suddenly could possibly have PTSD as well. So that's what it is in a nutshell. Mm. 
Yeah, I know that that was definitely, as, as we were talking about beforehand, like something that I also believed is that you hear PTSD and you think, you know, oh, well, who, aside from people, you know, maybe like police officers, but like you said, like an officer or someone who's gone to combat, gone to war, like done something, seen death and dying. And it's just like, even, even as we're talking, yeah. I'm like, I didn't even consider that like nurses or doctors would experience PTSD because again, I think that affiliation yes. in my mind is like after war, you've got this post-traumatic stress. Yes. So it's very interesting to really like become more aware and open up my mind about what it is. And I think that, you know, another question that people might be asking themselves right now, if, if they're wondering whether or not they um, have PTSD is, you know, what does PTSD do to someone? Yeah. So the first thing I do want to say is I'm not a psychiatrist and I'm also learning myself because my diagnosis of PTSD only came this year in January. And what's funny about that is I, the very first time I went and saw a therapist was when I was 18 and I've seen multiple therapists along the way. And I don't know if just my symptoms flew under the radar so much that I was never diagnosed or if it was just that I appeared so high functioning because this also can be the case with people that those symptoms just flew under the radar and the therapist didn't pick up on it or that the therapist was also operating from that space of, oh, she's not a war veteran, therefore it's not possible to have PTSD or they're just not trained in trauma. They just don't know about it. So a lot of the signs and symptoms do vary per person, but a lot of the common signs signs and symptoms are um, being flooded with memories all of a sudden that maybe you just didn't remember, you suppressed, you repressed. And if there was an event that happened, it could be like, it could be breaking off with your family, for example, which was the case with me. All of a sudden I was flooded with hundreds, it felt like thousands of memories every single day while I was in a waking state, as well as when I was sleeping that I had completely forgotten about. So could be nightmares, could be flashbacks, could be insomnia could be identity crisis. You're just like, who am I? I don't know who I am anymore. Feeling really disconnected, disengaged. Could be another symptom that you feel numb or apathetic. Um, yeah, not engaged in life. This hypervigilance. So one of the things that I definitely suffer with, and I have since I was a little girl, was that jumping and that flinching. So if there was a loud noise or somebody yelling or opening the door and slamming the door really hard, I mean, I would jump <laughs> to the ceiling. Oh. And yeah, when I was growing up, people would make fun of me and laugh. And, and to me, it was so serious because there wasn't anything I could do about it. And I didn't know why it was happening. And um, this is a really common one with, with PTSD. Also, dissociation. So somebody is in the middle of talking to you and you just blink out. You don't, it's, you're awake. You can hear possibly the conversation or what they're saying, but you're not present. It's like your head's not connected to your body. And this is exactly what happened with me. So in 2018, like we talked about when I was with you last time during our soul chat, I chose for estrangement with my family. And with that extreme individuation and that no longer enmeshment and infantilizing, I think that's also what brought forward those feelings of identity crisis and numbness. I mean, I was even looking online, am I having a midlife crisis? What is going on? Because I just felt lost, which is really strange because I always have felt like a found person. So all of a sudden, having, I suppose, maybe that psychological umbilical cord permanently cut, that's when all these memories and nightmares flooded me. And I was always a pretty good sleeper. I wasn't sleeping, crying, just outbursts of crying. Also, sometimes the person who has PTSD has extreme rage and irritability and a lot of confusion and brain fog as well. I had all of those symptoms. And the last one that is... Um, not oftentimes talked about, so a little bit of a trigger alert for your listeners is invasive images, intrusive images. I didn't even know what that was. And I, I've, I'm so grateful for the internet because as I started to research it, it was like, oh my gosh, this is what's going on. Um, so in my case, again, trigger alert, I'm a big animal lover. I rescue animals. I love animals so much. And my husband would be driving along. This was before my diagnosis, but after the estrangement. And I would just see in my mind's eye these 
violent images with animals. Mm -hmm. And it, it was so bizarre and so creepy and so freaky. I never had that happen in my life. And I literally thought, am I losing my mind? Am, am I losing my mind? And I think this is common with people who have PTSD. They may feel like they are. And I just want to say, you're not, you're normal, you're okay. It's just basically your brain trying to get your attention that there needs to be some changes here, or it's time to admit that this traumatic event or multiple traumatic events happened in your life. And I had read that people with OCD also can have these intrusive and invasive images. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We had talked about OCD as well. Was that something that you also experienced? Because that was something very new for me. I'm very frightening. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for those who are listening to this podcast, they can't see my head shaking, but if you're watching on YouTube, it's like, oh, <laughs> so yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm nodding because as I'm listening to you and again, not knowing that much about PTSD, not having done research, not knowing what the signs and symptoms are or what it does to someone. I'm sitting here listening and it's like, okay, I can relate to mm. a lot of what you're saying, especially like, you know, the, the big ones I think that I can, that resonated with me is like the disconnection sometimes of, you know, being totally present and having, <laughs> you know, like there are times where I often blame having bad memory because I am not always like fully present because I'm constantly like yeah. my mind is somewhere else sometimes. And so I've, I, it's been a very deliberate, mm -hmm. intentional practice to try to be as mindful as possible that when I'm in the moment, mm -hmm. and I think honestly, my podcast yeah. has really helped me with this because it's, it's helping mm -hmm. me to really like listen to my guests and like be able to engage in a conversation. Whereas if it was you know, in a different scenario, like maybe I wouldn't fully know how to like stay attentive, but now it's like, I'm learning, I'm teaching myself to be more yes. present. So that was a really big one for me. Definitely mm -hmm. like the intrusive thoughts. Uh, you know, I, I did like a five part series about OCD based on a book that I read that's called brain lock and it's by a mm -hmm. doctor and it's like proven, you know, self, t you know, self care, ways to free yourself from OCD. And like one of the biggest things is that your brain is, is literally on lock because, um, yeah. you know, there are like different things in the brain, like the, the frontal cortex, like hype mm -hmm. is hyperactive. Yeah. And like harm OCD is, is a subset of OCD where if you have, you know, um, specific images of, you know, you see a knife and you're like, oh my God, you know, could I hurt myself or could I hurt someone else? I've experienced that many times. It's hard to talk about, yeah. and admit, you know, because it's a scary thing, but you do sometimes get those like horrible flashes, especially now watching the news. I saw in my yeah. feed that some people have been, you know, very vulnerably sharing that they're watching the news and they've got these horrific graphic images of like them committing yes. horrible crime or doing this horrible thing. And then you wonder, like, am I crazy? Could I do something like this? Is yes. that possible? And it's like the book helps us to realize, like, it's not me. It's my yeah. own. Like, you're yeah. not your thoughts. And so, you know, it's interesting because I, I was going to ask, like, what kind of um, connection or similarity is there between PTSD and OCD? Because I have been diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder and experienced yeah. these things. So I'm like, this is all very interesting because I didn't know that they're similar symptoms. Yeah, I think that, and again, I'm not a psychiatrist, but what I do know of the two is that there can absolutely be overlap. Or let's say, for example, having grown up with trauma, or even if it was just one traumatic event and it wasn't really pro processed all the way through, then that person possibly, yes, could develop OCD symptoms you know, in essence, to be coping with that trauma, with that PTSD, without really even realizing it or without having awareness. And I think it's amazing what you're sharing regarding your experiences with those intrusive, invasive thoughts. And thank you for sharing because those um, were some of the same images that I also saw. I had no desire or no feeling to hurt myself or anybody. There was no intention there. It's, it, and so it is disconnected in that way that you have no malice and you also have no desire, but there's just that imagery that is happening. And that part 
sounds so similar with OCD and PTSD, and perhaps that's where there is the overlap. I don't know, but I'm, I'm sort of guessing here. Mm -hmm. um, and that I think is, I think that's also an indicator or a gauge of like, okay, this is a bit serious now because in all of my life, like the moment that I, I left my parents home when I was 18, I moved pretty far away. And then the first moment that I had the chance to see a therapist, I did. And then my healing journey just continued on for, from there for so many years, from yoga nidra to yin yoga, to past life, to, to rebirth, to all so, sorts of uh, modalities and traditions that really, I think I was blessed to have discovered so early because I think I probably was actually keeping PTSD symptoms at bay. Mm. I do know that I was now when I look back without ever having been diagnosed back then. But this event, in essence, my, my final event with my family in 2018, I think that woke up, really woke up sort of the sleeping beast inside of PTSD that I had no idea about especially when those memories started to flood because the cognitive dissonance was so deep where I was raised and what I was raised with. I was really focusing on all the good stuff, all the good times, all the positive stuff. And when I chose for estrangement and all those horrific memories came out, I'm like, oh my God, I totally forgot about this. Like, and funny enough, I have a really good memory. Like people are creeped out at how good my memory is. But this stuff, I, I mean, I must have just really blocked it, huh? Just really blocked it. And, it. and it was time. It was time to look at it. It was time to examine it. Like they say, dark night of the ego or dark night of the soul or a spiritual crisis. Mm. I think, yeah, that was really happening. But you know what, Lizzie? I felt, I don't know how you felt when you got your diagnosis with the OCD, but I felt such relief. I felt so liberated when the therapist said, you've had trauma, you've had abuse, you have PTSD, I want you to see a specialist. My whole body just, it was like, oh, like massive relaxation and liberation. I didn't feel embarrassed or ashamed or nervous or weirded out at all that I got that diagnosis. Wow, that's so beautiful. So I, I'm sure you, like I literally just felt my body exhaling as you said that because the word relief because exactly right. what came to mind is you said, you know, I'm not sure what your experience was when you were diagnosed, but I felt this way. It was like, mm. as soon as you asked me, like, how did you feel? The instant word that came to mind was relief. Because when mm. I went to see my therapist, and, and I'm grateful that, that we're talking about this because, you know, as, as you mentioned, like, I'm a life coach too, and I'm not a licensed therapist. I'm not a psychologist, you know? So those are the disclaimers that like, are all yeah. over, you know, my website and everything that, you know, these are, are um, tools and, and resources for people. But, you know, please, the, the awareness here too is like the takeaway message is that if you feel like you're experiencing similar symptoms yes. to PTSD, to OCD, do not self-diagnose, go see a therapist and, and ask for help. And, and you will see and feel the same kind of relief, I hope, because I can very much attest, you know, speaking from personal experience that I thought it was going to be this, um, I don't know if it would be like a crippling uh, awareness or something, but yeah. it turned to be the complete opposite because it gave meaning and purpose to everything that I was experiencing and it made, made things make sense. You know, yeah. like finally there was this, um, this word, this, you know, um, like, here's why you've been feeling this way. Here's why you've been having these intrusive thoughts. Here's why. And, and one thing too that my um, therapist told me, she said that because of the anxiety and the depression that I was experiencing, I developed OCD as a coping mechanism. So yeah. really like with OCD, there is rumination and there are compulsions, which is why it's called obsessive compulsive disorder. And so those compulsions um, are ways to help tame or manage the the stress and the anxiety because when you feel like stuff are out of your uh, things are out of your control and you seek to get control you perform these compulsions as a way to minimize the stress and the anxiety yeah. and i had never and i could never i'm not i'm not a you know i'm not a psychologist i could have never pieced it together in this way that mm. became a way for me to cope with my anxiety and so it seems that you know again the the very similar um, things between OCD and PTSD is that 
you have gone through something that made your body just go into complete shock. And it sounded like, you know, from what you were sharing, this fight or flight, that every noise was making you jumpy. And it's like, I constantly was living in this fight or flight as well. And yeah. the thing that I felt was like, you're on this high alert and everything yeah. was like, I'm, I was just highly sensitive to everything, yeah. not just yeah. my emotions, but to everyone else's emotions, to everything yes. around me. So mm. it, again, it, it all makes sense. It's like yeah. the sky's open and you see this beam of light and it's shining directly on yeah. the thing that you need to spend the most amount of time, but you know, learning more about to set yourself free. And it's this incredible, mm. you know, like I'm, I'm feeling like my physiology is changing as I'm talking about this because it really is this incredible relief. So I love that you said that and thank you for sharing. <laughs> oh, I love what you're sharing. Even me, I'm exhaling again, like, Yes. And the other thing that's coming up for me is something along the lines of what you said of, you know, OCD surfaced in order to cope with what you were going through with that hyper vigilance, that hyper um, arousal in the home in with the child rearing. And that is exactly how it felt for me is like living in a pressure cooker. I have this hypervigilance in the home like you and this hyper arousal in the home and being extra sensitive to like what's about to bump off, what's going to happen, who's going to rage right now, who's going to really come from left field. And it's like, whoa, where did that come from? And so as a kid and as you know, sensitive people, I don't know if that sensitivity, sensitivity was already built in or it was also nurtured from these situations. Maybe it's a mix of both, but you are then are on, you're on this hyper alert. I was on this hyper alert. And I think that then continues an ongoing trauma reel in the brain. And, but at the same time, um, high functioning can happen as well because we become ultra empathic and ultra aware of, okay, this person behaves like this. Okay. This sets this person off and you're really sort of mining constantly for the next event. And there's a lot of management going on, a lot of emotional management within yourself, but you're also trying to do people management of everybody else. And I definitely know that was my role. I, I'm the oldest child and I think oftentimes there's these extra responsibilities that are put on oftentimes being the oldest child, not that it's only the oldest child, but just in my case, I can say that. And so I think that, you know, I may have expected that I would have received a diagnosis and felt some shame or some embarrassment or some humiliation. And I really want to say to your listeners that I hope that you don't feel that way. I hope that you can have what Lizzie and I have is this feeling of relief, liberation and relaxation, and just a deeper understanding into the psyche of who you are and what you're about, perhaps because of this event or this or multiple experiences that you had and that there isn't anything wrong with you. In fact, I, I feel like it's a sort of a sign of intelligence that, you know, OCD popped up for you, PTSD happened for me, because we were really trying to do our best with what we knew, with the tools and the resources that we had. And then finally, at some point, there just is a breaking point. And, and that was the, the case with me. And I was, I guess maybe I was grateful over that my tools had worked all of those years and that I had done so much in the way of higher self work that I, I didn't feel shame or embarrassment. Um, this is really one of the first times that I've come out to say publicly that I do have PTSD considering it is such a new diagnosis, but I, I know back in my twenties and thirties, I probably, I would have probably hidden it and felt really vulnerable and really shy and like, no, I'm not going to say anything. And I feel grateful. I don't feel that way today. And I also feel super excited that the story has changed around PTSD, that it can be anybody. It can be a mom going to work at a bank every day. It could be a dad. It could be a child. It doesn't matter where you're from in the world. Anybody can have it. And I feel super grateful that there is an awareness month that we can let people know it is no longer just war veterans. I don't want to take that away from the war veterans, but there are others too who have it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I really just want to take a moment to honor you and your vulnerability and for sharing your beautiful voice to come out and to share all of this. It is very tough as, as we all know to be vulnerable and to share our experiences. And the beautiful thing about using our voices to bring awareness, to talk about these things is to help other people you know, feel less alone and to give people hope and to give people 
hopefully a direction about where they can go next, who they can turn to. And just, you know, and that of course, as, as we talked about when we first all chatted and what the mission of found family is, is to be this, you know, community of women that support one another, that empower one another, and that, you know, most importantly, help one another realize that you're not alone. Because that was something that as I was experiencing mm-hmm. OCD symptoms and, you know, people yeah. in college would, would sort of, you know, poke at me by changing little things on my desk to see if I would notice it. And, you know, all oh. these things that, you know, it's, it's, I, I recognize was not hopefully like done with ill intent, but it was sort of, because there also was not an awareness about OCD because people used yeah. to, you know, I, and it, there still is a stigma about OCD about like, it just means you're super clean and organized. And it's like, there are so yeah. many things beyond it. You're just clean and organized. Like people who have OCD and perform compulsions don't want to perform compulsions. If I could get rid of the compulsions and not have to feel obsessive about performing them, I would give them away in a nice yeah. package, you know, and, and be like, <laughs> them again. You know, but yeah. there is with the awareness comes a newfound strength because I actually shared another podcast episode about how I'm grateful, you know, the things that I have chosen to see as positive about OCD, like what OCD has helped me to become resilient, to become strong, yeah. to become self-aware. And so it sounds like a lot of what you're sharing is also this takeaway message that because of the diagnosis and you are now, you know, sharing your voice and sharing your story. You're helping people to see um, that they're not alone. You're helping them to understand like what these signs and symptoms are so that they can go seek help. And then they can feel stronger, more confident, more self-love. And that's really, again, like what, what this is all about, this beautiful evolution and this growth um, and, and knowing that we're, we're all in this together and that we're all here together. So there's just, my mind is like swimming with like all of these things. And I feel like I just talked about three topics in one sentence, but you know, it's really just, it's so beautiful to be able to soul chat with you about this, you know, and, and, um, and helping to, to spread this message. And thank you for providing the platform in the first place, because I think that's something that is also really important. I think it's really gutsy and brave that you even created this platform in the first place. And yeah, yeah, really honestly, because I don't know if you had this feeling or if anybody else has ever given you this feeling, but also working in the mental health industry and then having OCD, for example, or me having PTSD, I definitely know that I have seen it in social media, or I have experienced it just talking with people in the street that there is this idea that the people who work in mental health are supposed to be perfect and that their life is supposed to be amazing and everything is completely organized and they know all the answers all the time. And I also, I feel like that's, you know, myth number two to bust. It's like, hey guys, we're human too. We're learning along the way. And I'm not so sure where this idea came that we're supposed to have everything 100% in order. So I think that's the other reason why I love this podcast with you and that you are also so vulnerable and willing to share because this, it it gives people, just your listeners who may not be in the mental health, they might not be mental health professionals. They just might be listening and interested in mental health. It gives them permission to be like, okay, you know what? I have this issue as well. I can talk about it openly, openly, and there's nothing wrong with me. On the flip side of it, people who are working in the mental health industry can also say, and me too, I have this issue as well. And I still work in mental health and I use my tools and I use them every day. And I think that is what has really come alive for me since choosing estrangement and being open and public about my situation with PTSD, because it also let me know that even though I had been using these tools for so long and that I was continuing to go to various therapists, therapists around the world, as I've been an expat and living in different countries, that still this diagnosis never came about until this year. And so even people who are psychologists and therapists and you know uh, have their master's in uh, social work or whatnot can miss these cues as well, can miss these red flags because we are not perfect. And it's not faulting them at all. It's more like just bringing into awareness a lot of per- permission around, yeah, these things, it might take time before you actually do get the diagnosis that helps you go, you know, and, oh, I feel heard. I feel seen. And now I really understand what's going on. And, and that was my case where I got PTSD diagnosed. I was like, oh my gosh, it, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised, but right. I was like, yay, I have a name. I know what it is now. Exactly. Exactly. And so, 
Um, when it comes to this discovery about um, learning that you have PTSD, um, I think a, a really important question that some of our listeners might be, <clears throat> excuse me, might be having right now is, you know, how did you connect with the therapist that was able to diagnose this or, or sort of what were the steps that you took to get diagnosed? Such a great question. So um, the summer of 2018 is when I chose to be estranged from my parents. And then pretty much instantaneously, yeah, pretty immediately, it started being flooded with these really awful nightmares. And then it was nightmares and memories. And then maybe, I don't know, a couple months in, a couple months after is when those intrusive invasive images came. So I started doing all of this research on my own regarding the intrusive and invasive images. I joined estrangement groups to understand more about estrangement. I joined um, one community called Standalone, which is in the UK that actually, they are like a scientific organization that studies estrangement. So I was doing all of these things around estrangement but I wasn't doing anything around PTSD. And my symptoms continued to get worse. And so then I contacted the therapist in the United States. Actually, it's Dr. Susan Ford who wrote Toxic Parents. She's written a lot of amazing books, but that one is probably one of her most famous. And I did um, th just three therapy sessions with her. And I was like, okay, everything seems to be kind of fine now. I went back to my hypnotherapist that I had worked with for like 10 years. We did some sessions as well. And I was talking every single day with my husband about, you know, these kind of fluctuations in my mood and what was going on and journaling and journaling. And it wasn't until one day my, my sleep was just, it, I wasn't sleeping. I just wake up at 3 a.m. and just be up for the rest of the day for several months. And finally, my husband said to me, I don't think I can help you anymore. And he actually said, I think you need to see another therapist. I think you need to, see, I live in the Netherlands. I think you need to see a therapist here. And I said, I think you're right. I agree. And I think maybe also just somebody else saying that, you know, when you have someone, whether it's a friend or a stranger on the street, it's like, I think you need to see a therapist now. It's kind of like, oh, wow, I must really need to go. <laughs> so I did, I, I contacted the local doctor's office here and they have psychologists on site. And Lizzie, I don't know if you have this experience. It was literally the first time I actually had an official intake. All the therapists I had ever seen had never done an intake. It was like, okay, so why are you here? And then we would just start a, you know, a therapeutic session, but never like a standard canned intake. And he did that with me. I just, I don't know. I felt so seen, so heard. I also felt like it was legitimate that you're actually going to go over my life history and let's do a life review and then see what's really here. Not just start talking to me about some incident today. So I really felt like we were able to look at the original core wound or core wounds and my personal history, not to mention all the therapeutic history. And really he was able to say, I mean, very quickly on, he's like, you've got PTSD, <laughs> you've had trauma, you've had abuse. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. So that was, that was my step-by-step -step journey in answer to your question. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And it sounds like it would be in everyone's best interest to get more than one opinion. And I think that that is a pretty um, like understood and accepted thought is to, you know, when you see someone, you, you sort of take all of the things that they're, that they're sharing with you based on their expertise and then to kind of go see like a second opinion. And I think that you know, being able to have that. And then also, as you said, like going to resources that are specialized in the specific symptoms that you're going through or. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Cause that just to share, you know, a little bit about like how I found my therapist who helped diagnose me with OCD was that I was experiencing a lot of ROCD thoughts and, um, God, I'm not sure I know what that is. Oh, it's um, obsessive compulsive. Or? It's actually it's a it's a subset of OCD because there there are many different subsets under the umbrella that is more affiliated with like relationships and sort okay. of like OCD around that. And so I was obsessively googling, as you know, most. <laughs> you, it's just these questions that you have that yeah. seemingly are unanswered questions, and then you try to Google like you know, what does the perfect relationship look like? Do I actually love this person? Do I this, do I that? And it's just because of all of the stress and anxiety that I experienced over my lifetime. Yes. I mean, it was, OCD was infiltrating everything. It, it was like work, 
relationship, friendship, I mean, everything. So I was, you know, I, I had the light bulb about the potential of OCD when I was Googling symptoms about like nail biting, hair picking, skin picking. And I found out that, you know, like a couple of years ago, but it was more of just like, I think I have this. I don't know. It sounds similar. Yeah. But then it was later on when I started experiencing more of like ROCD that I thought, you know what, like I really need to go see someone. So I, I went to Google and I, I looked specifically for, you know, therapists and, and mental health professionals that specialize in OCD mm. on the diagnosed me. So it's, it's like, you know, using your resources available and thank God for Google, you know, to, to sort of say, here's what I'm experiencing. I don't know what I have, but here's how I feel. Here's what I'm experiencing. Here's what I, you know, can think, um, and sort of, and doing that. And, and truthfully, it was, I'm very grateful that I found like the person straight away. And so that experience was like very easy for me. Um, Mm -hmm. but I had seen therapists before and like, it didn't really, you know, it came up, but maybe in different ways. And it wasn't really like, you know, I, I remember that I started seeing a therapist even like as a very young child because I had an eating disorder and um, mm-hmm. my mom brought me to someone that, you know, she thought there was sibling rivalry and jealousy. And there was one therapist that gave me Elizabeth's special tape. Um, and I don't remember like what the therapy was about, but I felt like there was something wrong with me. So that mm-hmm. was a lot of like, be, you know, the... Yeah stigma around like going to see a therapist like back in the 90s it was like oh you have issues like you have problems and as a young child I was like oh my god there's something wrong with me I have a problem so you know I think that another takeaway of like what I'm trying to say and what I know that you're also saying is you know don't be ashamed as you said before is like do not be embarrassed do not be ashamed there there are people on this planet thankfully who are here to help us learn how to cope, learn how to manage, diagnose us, give us like, you can't fix some, uh, well, no, not fix us. We're not broken, but you can't address something unless you know what it is. You know, like in my mind, yeah. I was thinking like a house, if like there's a leak and you don't know where it's coming from and the word fix right. mind. But I, I take that word back because that we don't need fixing. As human beings, it's beautiful that we are here to grow, to learn, to evolve. And, and when there are traumas and things that are outside of our control that, you know, it's like a cause and effect that things happen to us and we need the support to really like feel relieved. Like really that, that's what I found too, was like, I don't need fixing. I need to love myself and to accept Uh myself. And there were barriers to giving me that permission. Like I didn't feel like I was allowed to love myself or allowed because Uh I was imperfect and this and that. You know, so I, when I learned how to let go of fear and how to reframe, you know, different things in my life to, to give myself this permission, like that also has really been helping with the OCD and, and minimizes the episodes. Um, you know, I haven't, I'm, I'm very happy to say, thank God. Um, I haven't experienced a panic attack in like a year and a half. I used to be on Xanax because they were so bad. Um, so anyway, I mean, it's just, you know, all of that, but again, thank you for sharing. Please, no, go ahead. Oh, no, my pleasure. No, I, um, sorry, it broke up for a moment there, so I didn't mean to step on your words. I um, wanted to say something that you addressed. I think that is such a good thing for, the, for your listeners is that it might take time before a diagnosis does come about, and, and it might take years, unfortunately, and I hope that that isn't the case for your listeners, but I love what you said of you were Googling, in essence, your own symptoms, and I didn't, to be honest. I, I, well, I was always obsessed with self-help. And so I was constantly turning toward healing modalities. But maybe if I had sort of dissected that a little bit more and looked at my reading material, there was always a book popping up in my reading material that had something to do with parenting, that had something to do, yeah. And but I, I wasn't always talking about parenting whenever I went to the therapist. Generally speaking, this kind of sounds like maybe there's a commonality here, Lizzie, with you and me. I was always going to a, ther- a therapist because of some relationship issue that I was having or felt I was having or was worried about having and wanted to make sure it didn't happen. And where, of course, is that stemming from? It's coming from the relationships within the family from when I was brought up, obviously. So 
Um, and I, I had one therapist who did do EMDR with me, which is really a tool that is used with PTSD. And I, she was doing with me in my 20s, but I didn't know why we were doing it. I didn't know the correlation. So then we really missed the boat there. And I think she had picked up on some of the things that I had said regarding my family. But again, that wasn't the number one reason that I had gone there. Mm. And I think she maybe should have trusted her intuition and her instinct a little bit more and drew the correlation of we're doing EMDR because of these specific things that you said about your family and perhaps even use the words trauma and abuse. And then I would have known, okay, well, I'm really here for this reason. So share that with your listeners because if they're not really sure also, I feel like I need to go to a therapist, but I'm not really sure why. Look at your reading material. Look at what you're journaling about. Check out those patterns and those themes. What keeps popping up? Is there anything that you're there avoiding? You know, and with our families with the cognitive dissonance and like keeping up the appearances and having the perfect family image, it's really hard sometimes to, you can really miss those subtle cues and those nuances. And it can feel so under the radar that you can't put your finger on it. And I think that's oftentimes the challenge is why PTSD or OCD can be overlooked when we go for a completely what we think is an unrelated thing. And then later on, we're diagnosed with OCD or PTSD, for example. You're so right. And thank you for sharing that because I, I can agree with everything because of, especially because of my personal experience. So I think you're absolutely right. And I, I know we can... I love soul chatting with you about this. I feel like this episode could be three hours long, but you know, I want to be super mindful <laughs> of people's timing. So thank you to our found family for, for listening. And, and I'm, I'm hopeful, of course, that, you know, all of this is, is helping to, you know, show some, um, you know, pieces of the puzzle that might've been missing and helping you to kind of see the full picture. So um, our last question around PTSD is sort of twofold, but um, what has helped you or what continues to help you cope and manage? And is PTSD something that can go away? Yeah, so in answer to the first question, so I actually started looking up about like foods. Were there any foods that could actually help with some of the symptoms? And there's actually a lot of information on this. And I found that eating blueberries and dairy and cheese, not processed cheese, like, you know, Velveeta or anything like that. But um, yeah, true good cheese can help to bring this feeling of calm uh, so it can also help them, the symptoms to kind of subside. Chamomile tea, eating almonds as well is another one. They have, and, and green leafy vegetables, they have some components or some properties that help to alleviate the symptoms. Mm. Um, also, I love yoga nidra, which is a form of guided visualization. And this has actually been uh, qualified by many scientists and doctors that it is helping PTSD patients with their symptoms. Another wow. thing that has been, yeah, another thing that has been really helping, and, and also is the case for me, I use yoga nidra, I eat these foods, um, but also doing a mantra while meditating. So while your eyes are closed, but also saying a mantra or an image that you feel good about, seeing that over and over again, saying the mantra while you are practicing the meditation, also just guided meditations, and binaural beats, I don't know if you know about them, but they, um, there's a lot of literature right now, especially with like the American Psychological Association about binaural beats, that they actually change the vibrations and the frequencies in the brain. And they calm them down and sort of like train it with a new frequency, in essence, kind of rewiring the brain. And they really reduce the symptoms, make you feel more relaxed. You can even go on YouTube, actually, and just type in binaural beats. And they have all kinds there. They have different tones and different beats and different sounds that the brain reacts to in a really positive way. Also, yin yoga is really wonderful. It helped me a lot with my PTSD. I do have to sort of give a little um, disclaimer or a caveat on that. You may become very emotional when you are doing yin if you do have PTSD. If you can work through it and you can continue to do it, from my side, I recommend it. Um, so I just wanna prep that, that that could happen, that you have experiences, you're emotional on the map, you might be tired for the rest of the day, but the reason is because the body has to have the release. The body has trapped those emotions and stored it in muscle memory, and that is also reactivating the trauma every time you don't deal with it and don't release it. So it's really good that it is coming out. So those are my, my big favorites. Future self-work, higher self-work is also wonderful. Journaling is also wonderful. An answer to your second question of, can it go away? This is such a great question. And again, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I've done a lot of research on PTSD, and I find mixed 
information, I find mixed messages. So I do see in some literature, yes, it can go away. And then in other literature, I say, I see that it says, no, it doesn't go away, but the symptoms just become less and less and far, far more minimized. So I don't know the answer to that question. I'm like you right now where I'm sitting in a space of my symptoms have not flared up for quite some time. Um, but I have noticed that there are, can be unexpected expected strange events that do bring something about. So I was actually writing an article yesterday for PTSD and I noticed later on, I'm not really feeling myself. I didn't feel irritable, but I just didn't feel myself. So I, I don't know if it is something that goes away. I think maybe there needs to be more research on it. Mm. I think that's so fair. And it sounds like there's also this similarity between the PTSD and the OCD, because one thing that I've also learned through this brain lock book, through my therapist and, and through researching as well, is that OCD is, is a chronic illness. It's not something that, that can go away. It's just, as you said, there are ways in which we learn how to cope and manage to minimize the symptoms or to um, you know, best handle certain situations. And so in a very similar way, even just yesterday, I was experiencing, you know, intrusive thoughts, the, the OCD, like I, I know enough now about how my body reacts to certain yeah. things that I hear, see, or think to recognize now the difference between my voice, my essence, and then the voice of the OCD. And so yeah. the beautiful thing that I can now say that I clearly was not able to say years ago is that when I do feel the, the system or be the symptoms and, you mm -hmm. know, feel my, my system reacting to those symptoms. Yeah. Um, I remind myself, like my mantra is, this isn't me, this is my OCD, which is like mm -hmm. the book it. talks about. And so that mm -hmm. helps me to take myself down the ladder. Like one of the things I used to tell my therapist all the time is like, you know, I, I walk myself up all the way to the ladder. And like, when you hit the top of the ladder and you go down the, down the slide, you hit yourself as you're going down it because it's a spiral. So she and I would work through walking myself back down the ladder mm -hmm. instead of walking all the way up and going down the slide and making things worse. So oh, yeah. it's taken a lot of time and patience yeah. with myself, yeah. you know, just being very mindful that you're human, you are okay, you know, like you're okay. Um, yeah. These emotions, like feeling stressed, feeling fearful, especially with everything that's happening, is normal. You're yeah. absolutely allowed to feel these these things. When it gets to a point that it's unmanageable or it's it's hindering your your ability to to do things, absolutely reach out to someone, get the diagnosis, yeah. learn how to cope, and then on your own, take you know take those modalities and principles and you know tools and continue to do them. It's like the same thing with working yeah. out. You can't, you yes. know, you can't get fit and feel healthy and, and be stronger if you do one workout and then that's yeah. it. Like I, I just, I, I've been doing beach body workouts for two years now and I just yesterday did like day 80 of this 80 day obsession that I did with this um, fitness trainer, Autumn Calabrese. Love her, she like helped change my life. And, you know, in that last episode, she said, you know, something that has also been a mantra to me. She's like, this might be day 80, but your journey doesn't stop here. Yeah. It's the beginning, yeah. you know, and that's, that thought used to scare me truthfully at first, because I thought, oh my God, I'm not an exercise person. I don't want it. I, I lost 11 pounds and I feel great. Can I just stop? And then, you know, yeah. then when that, when I first finished this program two years ago, like I lost 11 pounds, I gained seven, I plateaued it you know, whatever I lost three, I, you know, and it was just like this weird big jag, like, you know, so what's helped me in the last like six to eight months to, to like remain, um, more in equilibrium and to like, you know, it's not about the number on the scale, but it's, I feel better, more enthusiastic, yeah. energetic, all these things. But I now don't see it as this burden either. Like I don't view working out as this, like, oh my yeah. God, I have to work out again. Can't I just one and done it now? I'm like, I love that I get to do this because I'm, I'm like, if I don't, I feel sluggish and like all these things. So the same physical exercise holds true to the mental exercise is that now That's if right. I don't say mantras to myself, if I don't help walk myself down the ladder, you know, it's like, I just don't feel this yeah. with myself and I miss myself. I'm like, I want to get, yeah. so I mm. want to be close to myself and give myself a hug. It's like, 
I think that's, that's what I'm trying to say too, is practice this self-love and this self-care. It's like, you're giving yourself a hug every single day and that's really beautiful and and you deserve to hug yourself. So give yourself a hug. I love what you said though, too, of how you recognize through the work with this brain lock and your therapist that there's the voice of OCD. In my case, there's the voice of PTSD and there's the essence, there's the soul, there's you, there's higher self. And when you're really, really clear on the voice on the energy and the behaviors, those kind of key behavior indicators of OCD and PTSD and inner critic or whatnot, those voices and that behavior looks totally different than the essence of Lizzie, the essence of Lori, the essence of your listeners, the soul of your listeners. They're totally, totally different. And being able to recognize that I feel is like the first step in the process of moving through and managing the OCD and the PTSD and anything else that anybody else is experiencing. I like to have my higher self talk to PTSD, like, all right, we're going to we're gonna have a conversation. This is where we're going. You know, this is how you were trained when you were a kid. And that was one behavioral model that you learned and you needed to learn back then. But we're operating from an even better one now. It's even more amazing now. And this is how it looks. And this is where we're going. And trust me, I got it. We're doing really great. And yeah. that really shifts. It shifts the energy. It shifts my behavior back into essence, like you said. I love that you shared that. Thank you. Oh my gosh, of course. And thank you. This is so beautiful. And like I said before, I mean, we, we could talk for hours. I, I love soul chatting with you. You are an absolute joy and pleasure to, to talk to, to learn from, to just brainstorm about things. And, and you've got such a, a gorgeous energy and heart and spirit. So thank you for sharing everything. Thank you for being so vulnerable with us. Thank you for sharing your story. And thank you for helping to really spread this awareness. And I'm so excited to you know, share this with the world and, and help others to, you know, find the same relief that we have been finding. And that is like, my hope yeah. is like sending good energy, like sending out all the good vibes and like feeling it coming off me right now. Just like, you know, just from our hearts to your ears. Yeah. <laughs> Those who are watching, here's our hearts. <laughs> no, here they are. I feel like the Care Bears, like that's like one of the... <laughs> is in my head all the time is I found a gif of the Care Bears like doing the Care Bear stare with their the like love coming out of them and that image is like literally in my head all the time so I feel like I don't I don't know I mean obviously I can't use that because it's copyright but I'm like what an awesome like visual to like I'm taking this I'm using this (laughs) I love it (laughs) amazing (laughs) thank you Amazing. So found family, thank you guys so much for listening. Please share all of your love and support with Lori. You can find her at life, uh, lifecoachlori.com. All of uh, the links to her social media is going to be in the description of this podcast. And if you're watching on YouTube, it's going to be in the description. So be sure to click below. You can find Lori on Instagram, on Facebook. She's got a Pinterest. Um, her website is wonderful. Her blog is there too. So for the articles that she was mentioning, you can find them. Um, again, it's lifecoachlori.com. Dot com. Um, any other places? I know you're on LinkedIn as well, so I'll, I'll have that for you. But any other directions that you'd like to point our listeners to? I think that's fantastic. I will just say my name is spelled L-A-U-R-I-E. Uh, so Life Coach L-A-U-R-I-E. And you know what I will add? There is another Lori Santos. It is Dr. Lori R. Santos from the Science of Wellbeing. And I am not her. And oh. people... And bless their hearts, they think I am, because we look alike. We look alike. We have similar backgrounds. It's oh, really creepy. Funny. We spell our names exactly the same, except for we just have different initials. So mm-hmm. I will put that uh, disclaimer out. I'm not Dr. Lori. Oh, <laughs> She's amazing, but I'm not her. <laughs> oh. And actually, I, I obviously, you're on Twitter as well, because um, that's, yeah. that's where we connected. So Twitter, yes. on Instagram, on Facebook, on Pinterest, and on her blog. So... Wonderful. All the links will be there. <laughs> Thanks, Lizzie. Yeah, they're all Life Coach Lori, so that makes it really easy. L-A-U-R-E. Yeah. And yeah. I'm so grateful that you made time for PTSD Awareness Month. You are awesome. Oh, thank you. You are too. Thank you so much for spending time with us again. Yay! I loved it. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and tune in next week for a new topic. To help spread the good vibes, please share this episode with friends and family, or if you share on social, be sure to tag me at Coach Lizzie.